Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with a little bit of music to lead into our Sunday School. Uh, it's Brian Carn. He refers to himself as Prophet Brian Carn, but we'll call him Brian Carn. A medley of music. There you go. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. Appreciate you being here. Was very nice. Says some of y'all ain't got no rhythm, but try anyway. I'm not talking about anybody here. <laughs> it's on here. It's on the video. Yeah, I might have to have a conversation with Brian. to ingratiate yourself to somebody. Just insult them and see what they do. <laughs> Good morning, Brother Roscoe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to work very well. We appreciate you being here nonetheless. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Amen. Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Amen. Greg, good morning. Remember, I can't see every name. I have to go by what is on the, what rolls up in front of me, but we appreciate you being here. Good morning, Greg and Caroline. Thanks for being here. Trust we're getting out there. Mr. Gaines, good morning. Tell you good morning. <laughs> Amen. 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 
Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. I assume you're back. Still there. I'm not going to reveal where. <laughs> this could be a very interesting. <laughs> okay. Now this is officially an international broadcast now. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's uh, Brian Carn. had a medley of songs there. wanted to play those for you to get started for this morning. And that was, that was a great medley. And we appreciate you being here. And I love our technology. We can, we can, the neat thing about what we do, if you're traveling, you can go anywhere and we can get anywhere. And that's the great thing about it. So we appreciate that. And um, travel mercies to you, Lisa. I'm not going to reveal where you're at. Just uh, we know who you are. Um, glad you're able to join with us, and we appreciate you being here. And I know that um, I'm assuming you're having a great time. You're having a great time where you're at. So, but as for the rest of us, we're having a great time here. We're here. Um, we're here, and we're ready to get ready to hear the Lord speak to us through His Word. A couple of uh, announcements I want to make uh, prior to our getting into Sunday school. I'm. I'm, I'm having this uh, this issue here. I don't know if the air conditioning is on or not, but boy, uh, we could turn it up a little bit, I suppose. But anyway, um, <laughs> first of all, uh, please note that uh, online, for those of you who are online with us, um, we do have a message available for uh, viewing um, that will be in the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Uh, it is a message... My notes on persistent prayer. It's a message on persistent prayer. And that will be following here in the timeline on the Akron Alliance Fellowship uh, Facebook page. It also will be uploaded and available on our YouTube page at 12 noon today. So for those of you who are online and you're available, uh, you're, you cannot obviously join us here in church, you can look at today's uh, worship service message. It will be available for you right after Sunday school here and also on our YouTube channel at 12 noon today. Uh, in addition to that, and, and good morning, uh, Nate and Marnell, good morning. And uh, we appreciate you being here. Walter Pearl, good morning. Um, and good morning to everyone else here joining us here uh, 
in church uh, for this broadcast. Uh, please also remember your tithes and offerings. We want to make sure that you uh, continue to give with worship through giving. Uh, we appreciate you giving that consideration, prayerful consideration. Prayer is very important in all aspects of what we do. Uh, if you are mailing your tithes or offerings to us, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you giving that prayerful consideration indeed. And with that in mind, here we are. We're going to get going here with another edition of Sunday School. We are continuing our study in the book of John, and this is a, uh, again, we're coming towards the end of Jesus' ministry, his public ministry on earth uh, at this time, and the dialogue uh, is going to reflect that, uh, especially with uh, what is being discussed here. A lot of the dialogue here is Jesus speaking, and we will be going over that uh, very gradually. But this is going to be uh, essentially a, uh, a dialogue about Jesus explaining why he must die. And, of course, this is something that you recall when we talked about what the expectations were of many of the people, especially when we did the broadcast last week about um, Jesus coming into Jerusalem with the fanfare, the palms, and the... Cl- the coats being thrown to the ground and him riding on uh, a donkey, that the expectation was that uh, Jesus was going to assume his kingship right then and there. Many of the people there believed that that's what was happening. The Pharisees had conceded that they had no longer had any control over uh, what uh, Jesus was doing or how he went about his business. and But essentially... They, the people who were looking at this, were just really not, they did not know what was going to happen ahead of time, where he was not going to be this king. He was going to be uh, essentially going to the cross. And so we'll go over that briefly and, and, and look at this with some detail. But uh, let's go ahead and get started with uh, Sunday School today because it's important to always be prayerful. Amen. Let's pray about it. Uh, let's go. Father, thank you for this time that you've uh, given us and set aside for us to study your word and look at what your word has to say. Lord, teach us through the power of the Spirit right now. Enlighten us, engage us, help us to focus on what you have to say to us. And Lord, not my words, but your words. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 12. We are in John chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 36 today. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. And we'll be reading in the New Living Translation. Uh, A a good amount of material here, but we'll go through it very uh, succinctly here as we... uh, take the time to look at some of these things with greater detail. So let's go ahead and get into this because this is right at the time um, where Passover was taking place. And let's start with verse 20, John chapter 12. I'll read through the entire passage and then we'll go back over it as we normally do. Verse 20, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. 
Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Verse 26, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Verse 28, Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Verse 30, then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Verse 33, he said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? Verse 35, Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time, then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Okay, that's John chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. And we need to see here that Jesus is giving a rundown as to what's going to take place. But of course, there was obviously some confusion as to what that really meant and what it represented. Um, and notice, remember last week I had mentioned that the people who were following Jesus were very fickle in nature. They had an expectation. If Jesus was not going to meet that expectation, uh, he was uh, going to be ridiculed and scorned as a result of that. When we make assumptions as people sometimes, the thing that we have to be very conscious of is that we just don't do that. <laughs> we need to make sure that we don't make assumptions. We need to understand that we need to see things for what they truly are and what they are going to, what's going to take place. Let's look at this passage again. Go back over and go back to the top. John chapter 12, verse 20. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Now, who were these Greeks that had come through? Well, again, Jesus' notoriety had been increasing more and more, and the word had spread. And you have to understand something, that the Greeks have a very important role in the continuation of the uh, and the perpetuation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
We know that the Jews indeed were the ones where it came from, but the Greeks were the ones who were going to keep propagating this message all throughout the lands around them, especially to those lands that were uh, the lands residing where Gentiles resided. And these Greeks were probably converts to the Jewish faith. They probably were people who did believe and they wanted to have a dialogue with Jesus or talk to Jesus. And they went to Philip because though Philip was a Jew, he had a Greek name. So there was this, still this association. Well, if he's got a Greek name, let's go up to Philip and talk to him. Maybe he is the one that we can have uh, uh, us, uh, us to be introduced to Jesus. So that explains that particular part of the passage. They want to meet Jesus, and they don't want to meet him in any other way other than just to get to know who he is and have a greater understanding of who he is. But that's what's taking place here. And so we read again in verse 22, Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. And assuming that the men were there with them and followed with them. So they were all having this communication. So what Jesus is going to say is going to be for everyone present. Everyone present there and even the crowd who's listening He's going to be speaking to them. And what he's going to talk about, essentially, is that it's why he has to die and the time is approaching that he's going to die. It's interesting how, even in this passage, we see some things that are very interesting about what it is when you know you're going to die and when you're approaching death. And, of course, it's something that's taken very seriously. And it has an emotional impact. And I want you to understand, especially when we get further down to verse 27, about what's going on. And it's something that should give us, I guess, encouragement. And I'll explain why when we get there. Because I had to think about this for a moment. And when, when Jesus says his soul is troubled, well, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to take place. And the type of death that he's going to go through is not anything like what we would be going through. Nothing like that. The type of abuse, uh, the beatings, the whippings, being nailed to a cross. We We won't experience anything like that. But we need to understand that Jesus is emotional just like we were emotional as well too. And while he is troubled, be encouraged that he wants to do the very thing that his father would have him to do. And that's very important for us to see here too. When you go through fear, when you're fearful of something, the best thing you can do is trust in the Lord and plow on. Move forward. Face your fear and move forward. And that's exactly what the lesson is going to be for this as well, too. But I want you to understand that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he's also telling us as believers that we need to take up our own crosses. We need to have our own sacrifices that we make as we live for Jesus. There are a lot of people out there that play Christian. Play acting. In the moment something bad happens, 
all of a sudden they don't they don't want to deal with it they don't want to go through it well that's just play acting because that's not realistic that's not what life is about there are sacrifices that we all have to make fb meyer wrote something i thought in his comment that was so eloquent i wanted to read it to you here because it is it's amazing all through life we must be prepared to erect altars on which to sacrifice all that hinders our highest service to our fellows. Our highest service. The soul that dares to live in this way finds streams flowing from every smitten rock and honey in the carcass of every slain lion. Day out of night, spring out of winter, Flowers out of frost, joy out of sorrow, fruitfulness out of pruning, Olivet out of Gethsemane, life out of death. But through it all, our aim must be that the Father may be glorified. That's the end game. No matter what we're doing or matter how we're living our life, it's all about glorifying the Father. And you're going to see that later in this passage we read today. It's all about giving God the glory. That's why we're here. That is why we exist. We exist. We were specifically selected by God to be here for the purpose of glorifying Him. Now, that's outside of whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus. Because God uses anyone and everyone. He used King Cyrus to make a decree to make sure that uh, the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt. And he was a pagan. But his actions glorified God. But that's a separate conversation now to whether or not you have a relationship with him. And... People who play act as Christians and don't really believe in his word or don't really live for him, they're not believers, period. People can say all kinds of stuff, but your actions have to come back and support what you say. And I'm not a judge of anybody's heart, but Jesus is. And Jesus knows. So, let's go back to the passage. Back to verse 23. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who live their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world We'll keep it for eternity. Now, for those of you who are gardeners and those of you who are very familiar with gardening, you know that you have to plant seeds in order for you to have growth. And over a time in a season, that, that growth dies away. But if they're annuals, they come back. Perennials, what I call them. Perennials, thank you. I, that shows you how much I know about gardening, okay? So let's start there. 
I watch and I observe, but I just don't get the, the lingo right all the time. And Jesus uses in this example about wheat. A kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains alone, but his death produces many new kernels. It's fascinating to watch planting that takes place. Uh, we go by uh, uh, Zalays and we watch them plant every year. At least, especially during the when we were walk, going through there during the pandemic, we're watching them plant, and these magnificent stalks of wheat come up over time after a little bit of uh, treatment of the soil and rain and all that. They all come, and, and eventually they all die off, and the birds come and eventually eat the seeds and what's left over. They have to go back and replant all over again. But look at what comes out of it—a huge harvest. And look what Jesus says in verse 24 again. But his death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. He's referring to his own death, but that death is going to create the opportunity now for people, because they believe in him, to experience new life, salvation, and the gospel message that we are to carry spreads more and more for the purposes of what? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, more and more people come to know who he is. And look at verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. There are a lot of people in the world today who love their lives as they are. They have no degumption of making a declaration for who Jesus is uh, and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. They love the life exactly the way they have it, but they're going to lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Cared nothing for their life means you have to die to self and live for Christ. Your life is not more important than Jesus. You give your life to Him and you're going to experience eternal life because you believe in that, believe in him. And understand something. Christians, people who call themselves as Christians, people who call themselves as believers in God, need to be very, very cautious. Because unless Jesus is in the picture as Lord and Savior of your life, you don't have eternal life. A lot of folks can say all kinds of stuff about, I know God. Well, so does Satan. So the angels. So the fallen angels. Saying you know God is not enough. And just a brief note on my message today. It's going to be talking about persistent prayer. And the arguments can be made that unless you are as a believer in Jesus Christ are not are living a life of persistent prayer, anything less than that is insufficient. And that's only because of what the word says. And we need to be prayerful people all day long. We're not losing our salvation if we believe in Jesus. But we still need to live in such a manner where we're prayerful all day long because it's not your life that's most important. It's who Jesus is that's most important. And so now you're thinking about other people besides yourself. You're thinking about those people in your family that don't know Jesus. You're thinking about the friends 
in your life that you know great people, nice folks, go out to dinner with them, those people who don't know Jesus. And you are lifting those people up in prayer. And that's where we need to be in our faith. And we really need to be praying for those folks who say they know the Lord, but they're not living that way. They're not living that way. We have to be so committed to living for Jesus that we shouldn't care anything about our lives by comparison. Now, we always have to measure this stuff and say these things for, for clarification. It doesn't mean that you let yourself go. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you basically just eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. Well, that's gluttony, so let's start there, right? You still have to take care of your bodies because your body is a temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be taking care of yourself. So you're not going to live any way you want to. You're going to do what's necessary to take care of yourself. You know, hey, you, you want to drink more water to, to lose a little bit of weight? That's cool. That's taking care of yourself. But at the end of the day, your life is about how you live for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean that we're careless. It doesn't mean that we're like, well, because Jesus' life is more important than mine, I'm going to take myself out of here. No, nothing like that. Nothing silly like that. But we should have the attitude that we're willing to give our lives for Jesus. We're willing to die for Christ. And let's face it, throughout history, a lot of people have given their lives because they had to choose to follow Jesus. And there is not a more honorable way to go, in my opinion, than to go in that manner. If somebody martyred, if you're martyred for the faith in Jesus, there's no more honorable way to go. And for those who are living in the future, well, you know, we, we face some persecution today, but it ain't going to be nothing like what happens in, during the tribulation. There are going to be a bunch of folks that are going to give their lives for Jesus because they believe in Jesus because the enemy is just going to take them out. But that's what you had to be willing to do. You had to be willing to die because by doing so, it glorifies the name of Jesus. Glorifies the name of Jesus. And sometimes we have to make sacrifices, what F.B. Meyer was mentioning. We have to make sacrifices sometimes in the midst of our comings and goings for the sake of, being, of God being glorified. Serving God lovingly, serving God freely, making sacrifices doing so. But we have to say, you know, our lives are... We can't control our lives the way we think we can. But if we release that control and give it to Jesus, there's a great reward in that. Giving your life to Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus produces what? Eternal life. A joy of knowing that you have a place to go to. 
Jesus says he has a place prepared for each one of us because we believe in him. Of course, it requires faith. And faith is a necessary component because if we don't have faith, guess what? We can't please God anyway. If we lack faith, we need to pray for more. But at the end of the day, that's exactly what Jesus is telling us here. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Let's go to verse 26. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. When we declare for Jesus... We're recognized by the Father, God the Father. And because we are giving honor to who Jesus is, guess what? The Father, Jesus honors us. And this is important for us to remember and understand too because at first a lot of people thought that Jesus was coming specifically for the Jews. Specifically for the Jews. He did come to speak to the Jews about his truth and largely was rebuffed. It didn't change Jesus' mission. His mission has always been, though, when he says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. He was talking also to the Greeks. The Greeks present in this audience here that came to see him. He's telling them, if you want a relationship with me, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to follow me. And that's whether you're a Jew or a Greek, Jew or Gentile doesn't make any difference. He was talking to the Greeks. They were sincere. They were coming to him in sincerity. And they wanted to hear from Jesus. And Jesus gave them wisdom. Wisdom. We need wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom. This world has no kind of wisdom whatsoever in it. Not godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, yeah, but not the wisdom that we need. we need. We need godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom to be able to navigate the world that we live in today. Because we are not going to try to begin to understand the minds of those who are so delusioned. It's not your job to figure out where they're going. God knows exactly where they are. Jesus knows exactly where every person is who's living and breathing, mentally, physically. The most powerful thing that we can do is pray for anyone who has, is suffering from this delusion. Remember that there's a couple of ways to look at this, too. When people are so hardened with their hearts, Scripture talks about how the Lord gives them over to the delusion and that that's the way they're living and that's how they're going to live until they decide to turn things around. It's a very powerful delusion too. And Satan is having a field day. You have to understand God allows Satan to do a lot of things up to limits, but he does allow that. But for those of us who trust in Jesus, the most important thing we can do is just be in prayer Prayer for people. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. 
If we're serving Jesus Christ, we're going to be in prayer. We're going to live in such a manner where we're following the direction that he gives to us every day and all day long. And that's what a disciple does. Jesus' message is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you've been, socioeconomic status, rich or poor, black or white or any other color for that matter. There's no barriers to the gospel. Shouldn't be any barriers. Just want to keep talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 27. This is what I was referring to earlier. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Jesus knew that his crucifixion was coming. It was coming very soon. Within a matter of days. And because he was human, he dreaded it. Of course. Anyone in his position, knowing what's going to happen, you're not looking forward to that from the standpoint of going through it. But Jesus knew that he had to do it, and he went through it anyway. And that's why he even spoke out loud, Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour, but this is the very reason I came. He was still going to fulfill his purpose. He knew he was going to have to take the sins of the world on himself. Now, here's something else we need to recognize here too. Jesus was going to be doing something no one else had ever done before. It was the first time and the only time. Imagine the pressure of having that on your heart and mind. I had to think about this yesterday. It's like, why would he pray about getting, you know, even talk about praying to God about getting out of something like this? It's because of the pressure, everybody. How many people do we know took the entire sins of the world on themselves when they went to a cross and suffered doing so? There's no multiples here. This was a one-time thing. And this was right before it happened. The first and only time. It's a huge burden that Jesus took upon himself. But not in the state of being already raised, but this is before all of this took place. He didn't want to have to be separated from his father. The worst thing about having taking on all the sins of the world, separation from the Lord. What's the worst thing about dying without Jesus Christ? It's being separated from the Father. He's your creator. He's the one who made you. He's the one who put you together. That you read about in the Psalms, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you don't acknowledge Christ as Savior, you're separated from Him forever. That was a fate. Let's use the terminology. That was a fate worse than death. 
He knew, Jesus knew, however, that he was sent into the world to die for our sins in our place. He is our substitute of death and separation from God because of what he did for us on the cross. Jesus put his humanity aside and said, no, that's not what's most important here. It's most important for me to be obedient to the Father, to fulfill the reason why he came in the first place. It's a reminder that in spite of difficulty, there are things that we have to go through in life that we kind of dread and we don't want to do it, but at the end of the day, we've got to go through them sometimes. We have to go through them. We don't like it, but you go through it. Amen? There's stuff you have to do. And while, this, while what I'm talking about with human beings has nothing to do with what Jesus did on the cross, it does call for us to remain obedient to Him anyway. You'll be obedient to the Father. Be obedient to what the Lord would have you to do. If you knew, you know, you hear these hypothetical questions. If you knew you were going to die in a month, how would you live your life? Would you just go crazy and say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and then then the death happens, right? There was a basketball player that was interviewed about hardships. I do not know his name. You might be able to find it on the internet. And the reporter asked him a question about, you know, going through certain things. I guess he was, you know, going through adversity or whatever it is. Um, it's a professional player. He said, you know what? The most important thing that I saw within the last few days, I went to the hospital. I saw three, three young ladies who were dying of terminal cancer. And I spent time with them, just talking to them. And the thing that really lifted me up was seeing the joy even of the person, one of the people that he spoke to. She knew she was going to die, but she had joy. When you hear stuff like that, it makes you think God is sufficient no matter what you're going through. And whatever hardship we think we're going through, there's usually somebody who's going something through something a lot worse. But at the end of the day, we're still called to obedience. We're still called to bring glory to God. Bring glory to His name. And that's something that we need to always take away from this discussion. Now quickly, let me continue because our time is running short here. Verse 28, Father, bring glory to your name. That's Jesus speaking out loud and other people can hear it. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. 
When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to them. Well, both of them were, both of those assessments were incorrect. But some did hear an audible voice. Then verse 30, then Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. So, just briefly, the fact that God is speaking and is very active in communication here is very telling. Because God the Father knows exactly what Jesus is going through. And yet, he responded immediately when Jesus said, Father, bring glory to your name. I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. That's a reassurance, everybody. That's a reassurance. That's a reassurance for us. God is going to do what he needs to do to make sure that his name remains glorified. From the tiniest person on earth up to Jesus Christ himself, he's going to make sure of that. He's going to ensure that that takes place. And Satan is indeed the ruler of this world. He is the one who is real. He's not a symbol. He is the one who is in opposition. I had to go back and look. Satan is one of the most powerful angels ever created. He was like the head angel, if you want to use him as an example. And But he is the one, because of his pride, decided he was going to take a different turn and say, well, God's not so special. I'm the one who's special. That's essentially what he did. He is constantly working against God in spite of God's quest to make sure his name is glorified. He's constantly working against God and those who obey him. Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, persuaded her to sin. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness and did not persuade him to fall. That's in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But even though Satan is powerful, Jesus is much more powerful. Jesus' resurrection shattered Satan's deathly power. Take a look quickly at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. And we need to be rescued from Satan. We're in Satan's domain. We need to be rescued from him. And the cross, Jesus on the cross, was our rescue, was our escape, our way of getting away. Colossians 1 verse 13, For he, referring to Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Period. That's very important for us to see here. And we're running out of time so I'm moving very quickly here only because I don't like going too much beyond uh, our 20 after. So, 
Go back to verse 33 in John chapter 12. Just want to read something real quick here. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Who Just who is this Son of Man anyway? In verse 35, Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so that darkness will not overtake you. You know what? That's a warning for us today too. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. we got a lot of folks in darkness. Can't see where you're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. And after saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Now, what were these people talking about, about the crowd saying, we understood from the scripture the Messiah will live forever? Well, they read a couple of scriptures that spoke of this. Turn real quick to Psalm 110. Psalm 110. And look at verse 4. This is one passage. There's another one in Psalm 89 that verses 35 and 36. I'll let you make a note of those on your own. You can look at that for the sake of time. I'm going to look at Psalm 110 verse 4. Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Forever means he's eternal. But what we have to come back to is that there are other passages in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, did say that Jesus is going to die. Go to Isaiah 53. So you have to understand, some of the people who know Scriptures, they, they don't really think through all of the Scriptures they read and understood, and understood. We just have that benefit today. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Let's start there. Isaiah 53, verse 5. And one thing that we have to be always assured of here, too, is that Jesus did exactly what he was supposed to do according to prophecy. The prophetic messages we read in the Old Testament. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so he could be, we could be whole. He was whipped so he could be healed. Then verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Now we have to understand, uh, you drop down, drop down to verse 8. You can include verse 7, Lynn, when you upload the text as well too. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. His life was cut short in midstream. His life was cut short. He died. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made, is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a good life, a long life, excuse me, And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Jesus' death is spoken of here very clearly and very graphically as to how it would take place. But yet, God says he's going to be glorified. 
And understand that he was glorified in this action that took place here as well too. The glory of the Lord is what what brought back Jesus Christ from the tomb. God's glory. So while you're in the light, walk in the light. While you have an opportunity in this age of grace, live in such a manner where you're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and pray for those individuals who do not know Jesus who are walking in darkness. There's a whole bunch of folks that you know and I know who fit this category. And a lot of them don't even know what they're up against. Day out of night, spring out of winter, flowers out of frost, joy out of sour, fruitfulness out of pruning. Through it all, our aim must be that the Father may be glorified. That's the reason and the purpose for your being here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we live in. And Lord, the challenges are there right before us. It's hardly boring. It's actually quite exciting exciting and exhilarating. Because Lord, you are moving in this world today. You are reaching people for Jesus like never before. And Lord, may we not shrink from our responsibility as believers that we remain prayerful and steadfast in making sure that we are glorifying your name in our actions, in our words, in our speech, and through our prayers for others. Lord, we want to remain obedient to you and focused on your word. The most important things we can do today. And we thank you. We thank you for the joy that comes from serving you. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you for paying the penalty for our sins. Lord, bless us this time we have, for the time we have, and the time we have left. We want to honor and glorify you in all things. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We appreciate you being here today. Stay tuned online uh, for the message. For those of you who are not coming to church, notes on persistent prayer. We appreciate you being here nonetheless, and we hope to see you again next time. God bless you. Take care. See you next time.